Debo Samuel back at practice for the San Francisco 49ers Thursday. Keys to victory to beat the Las Vegas Raiders in Week 17. New Year's Day coming at you live right now. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is presented by Bet Online. Bet Online is uh, your number one source for everything sports betting and information. Got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Croc, so we're, we're going live here after Thursday night football. And shout out to everybody who's listening on Friday morning as well to the audio only pod. But you are live on, on YouTube as well. And we like to go live to end the week. And uh, we like to go live post game a lot of times as well. And so thanks to all the live listeners that are jumping in. We're seeing tons of them and they are all super pumped up right now. Yes, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Watching Thursday night football, which a lot of times Thursday night football is not the greatest product just on the short week and stuff. Then you have Joshua Dobbs starting for the Titans out of nowhere. But I, I didn't come out. I didn't come away from this game thinking, oh man, don't want to see the Cowboys in the playoffs. Right. It, am I wrong thinking that? Or is it more like, don't take them too lightly. It was, it was a you know short week, Thursday night product, as I mentioned, but I, I'm not too worried about the Cowboys. Well, you know, I got the group chat and there's some Cowboy fans in there and I immediately text him. I said, listen, we, we do a lot of back and forth, some trolling, things like that. And I said, I, I'm not trolling when I say this. Do y'all really think that the Cowboys would beat the 49ers in the playoffs? They they think so, but I don't know if they're just hyping themselves up to say that. But the 49ers dominated the Dallas Cowboys team last year, a team that was built on this passing game. And they're, they're trying to get physical. They lost Tony Pollard. You see Zeke, he's running the ball. At one point, he had like 15 carries for 30 yards. I'm like... That's, that's not going to do it. You can't be one-dimensional against the 49ers and win that game, especially when you have a defense that has been a little leakage. They've had trouble getting to the quarterbacks. They put up a stat over the last three games prior to this game. They had one sack combined. Like, that's not going to do it when trying to beat the 49ers. So, uh, Dallas Cowboys, a lot of talent, star-studded, but I agree, not a team that scares me when it comes to playing against the 49ers. I agree. Genesis in the chat says Bosa for defensive player of the year. And uh, I agree, especially what's with, with what's happened down the stretch here in December. The I just saw a stat right before going on the air here. Nick Bosa in December had six sacks in four games. And Micah Parsons, who the guy who was competing with, I think, closest for that defensive player of the year this year, he's only got one sack, and he had an extra game tonight on Thursday in December. So five games, one sack for Micah Parsons, wilting down the stretch statistically, and Nick Bosa's just getting stronger. And it's not just sacks either. Nick Bosa leads the league with 17 and a half sacks right now going into week 17. But if you look at the quarterback hits stats, so you're just talking about what kind of constant pressure a single player puts on the opposing team. Nick Bosa is nonstop motor every play from the first play to the last. He's always in the mind of the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, just disrupting games. And Nick Bosa is lapping the field with the quarterback hits stat quarterback hits. Nick Bosa right now leads the league as he does in sacks with 42 quarterback hits. 
almost twice as many as Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons has 24 quarterback hits. The next closest is the guy that's going to be on the other side against the 49ers for the Las Vegas Raiders. Max Crosby has 33. So he's got nine more quarterback hits than the next closest guy. And then uh, a couple of players after that. And he missed a game. That, that's part, you know, Bosa missed a game as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. He, he did. And uh, then Matt Judon has 27. Montez Sweat, 26. Dexter Lawrence, 25. Micah Parsons, 24. Bosa has 42 quarterback hits to go through 17 and a half sacks. Like disruptive in the mind of the quarterbacks. Uh, I think he's, I think Nick Bosa, it is, it is clear. And this isn't, you know, this is the Locked On 49ers podcast, right? This isn't just bias here. Nick Bosa has affected opposing offenses more than any defensive player in the league this year. I think he's a shoe in at this point uh, because of, of what he's done down the stretch here in December. Uh, we got Bobo in the chat, and he says Nick Bosa might become the most expensive defensive end in NFL history. I don't think there's a might. I think you could take the might out of there. I think he will become that. But did the 49ers make a mistake not locking him up sooner, right? Because they could have. He and maybe to. he wouldn't. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, maybe he wouldn't have signed it. Right? I, because I, I they, asked him, it. they asked him over the summer when the Niners were talking with Debo. And basically, Bosa was like, yeah, I'm not too worried about that right now. I, I think he, he, he knows that his number <laughs> was going to come up the following year. The salary cap's coming up. I'm, I'm sure he could see how that was going to strike. I'm sure that helps him, you know, maybe a little extra motivation, although his motors always run hot. So I don't think he needs the uh, extra motivation. I, I don't know. There's a guy by the name of Manuel Acho, and Acho <laughs> said that Nick Bosa does not have the motor of Micah Parsons. That, that's asinine. That, that's just like, it's the whole tell me you've never seen a player without telling me you've never seen a player. Like, it's, motor's the first thing on Nick Bosa's scouting report. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I don't know. He he pulled out one play, and it was a play with – it was like a screen, and Nick Bosa already started, like, far away. And as the guy got away, like, Nick Bosa wasn't sprinting. Well, obviously – and Nick Bosa, I compared him to kind of an alligator or a crocodile, which, whichever one. I don't know. I think they're the same, whatever. But they have that short area quickness where they can get on you right now, and they're really strong. But they don't really have long speed. And that's Nick Bosa. Short area quickness is off the charts. Long speed, not quite there, as opposed to maybe a Michael Parsons who did run a 4-3 and could ch chase guys down from behind. But, yeah, Parsons uh, – uh, uh, Emmanuel Acho, he, he was tripping on that. Yeah, he was definitely tripping on that. And uh, Emmanuel Acho's not shy about saying stuff, I think, for, for clicks. He gives me that vibe for sure with his, with his brand of analysis. Um, he did the whole uh, Justin Herbert's a social media quarterback – well, right, right yeah, special yeah. Throws and those go viral, but it's not correlating the wins. I'm like, dude, if you just watch the games, it's very clear. I'd say that maybe five quarterbacks in the, or teams in the league that would say, no, nah, we won't trade our current quarterback for him, right? So I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the number on paper. You just watch him. And it's like, no, this quarterback is special, right? But Ocho was saying he's just a social media quarterback, and he would take two, and now we see Tua. There's kind of this meltdown, especially over the last four games, has been great. It started with the 49ers. 49ers kind of start to derail teams and their careers and firing coaches and quarterbacks. But, um, yeah, he's tripping. He's tripping. Yeah, I think the 49ers would probably trade Trey Lance for Justin Herbert. But it would be weird at that point to have Herbert back up Brock Purdy. So I don't know if that would be a move. <laughs> yeah, um, so, so Brock Purdy, I just saw a stat. And it's like, since he started, he's number one in, in a lot of categories. He right? is. Would you take that Brock Purdy and say, and, and if the Chargers were like, hey, we want to trade you Justin Herbert straight up for Brock Purdy? <laughs> What's your answer? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd be guys say, thank you very much. Yes, I will take Justin Herbert and, and pair him with Kyle Shanahan. I think that would be a heck of a lot of fun. 
Um, just haven't seen a sample size big enough for Brock Purdy. And here's another one, you know, uh, enemy territory. New Year's could get weird there. Um, hopefully he doesn't show any of those rookie mistakes and turn the ball over because, you know, I mean, we're talking about keys to victory. It's almost too easy, but you can't be turning the ball over. Like, you can't let the the Las Vegas Raiders sort of even the playing field against a team that's clearly better than them. And that's where it would happen. Throwing the ball to the other team, fumbling a snap, you know, pick sixes, something like that, that really big swings in a game that could that could change the, the tide. I play for a team, San Jose Sabercats, and a lot of listeners know that, you know, won a championship 2015. But anyways, uh, I remember our coach during the year, we were I mean, we were off the charts, talented. We were good. We were extremely well coached. We were disciplined, all that. We lost one game. And the one game that we lost that year was in overtime to the worst team in the league, the L.A. Kiss, right? They were owned by Kiss, from, you know, the rock star, people, uh, whatever. Gene Simmons, band. right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, that, that was our only loss of the year. And the worst team in the league, we lost to them in overtime. And one of the things that the coach said was, you can't let teams hang around and start to get false courage. Because a team that they go into the game knowing this team is going to kick our butt, but then you let them hang around and it's like, oh, maybe we can win. And that's what it is with the 49ers against the Raiders, where it's like, dude, you can't let this team have this sense of false courage. Like, go put it on them early and often and put them out of their misery. Don't let them hang around because when you do that, weird things can happen. We saw in 2019, Atlanta Falcons against the 49ers, that Super Bowl team, like, man, they were ready to kick everybody's butt. They just came off a huge win, and then you play the Atlanta Falcons, and all of a sudden, it, you know, it, you let a team win at the, at the goal line when it shouldn't happen that way. So Raiders, they have enough talented players. Now, benching uh, Carr, I think that changes a lot of, of things there, but – uh, they have enough players to where they can make some plays and the, the game could possibly get weird. Can't let that happen. Cannot let that happen. Key number one, absolutely, on New Year's Day in Las Vegas. Um, by the way, I got a good Gene Simmons story. I met Gene Simmons back at a, at a Weezer concert when I was a teenager, and he got me and some of my buddies backstage after wow. the concert. Yeah, that's a story. I actually told that story on Twitter. So go search, go search my uh, my Twitter for the Gene Simmons Weezer stories from back in the day. It's a good one. Um, next, Croc. We've got to talk about Debo Samuel. What it means to the 49ers if he should play back at practice on Thursday in limited fashion. The rest of the 49ers injury report, and we'll get into some more keys to victory. We want to see what you think the keys are in the chat. So let us know, folks, in the chat what you think are the big keys to victory, maybe some secret superstars potentially for the 49ers in this game in Las Vegas. Did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. This means driving high could get you a DUI and be smart. I mean, especially with New Year's coming up. I mean, this is a perfect time to remind everybody, like, don't be silly. Make your plans without that vehicle. Ride, share, whatever you have to do. Leave the car at home. Leave the keys at home. Don't even give yourself an opportunity to make some bad decisions later in the night, whether you're out drinking, whatever you're doing, partying, having a good time. Don't even let that be a factor in your New Year's parties, in your holidays parties, and really anytime you party. Um, even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not, because the bottom line is if you feel different, you drive different. Driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, get a DUI. This advertisement paid for by NHTSA. 
Thanks again, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen every single day. Make sure you check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reaction, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, earlier we said Nick Bosa is going to make be the highest paid defensive player in NFL history. He's going to be the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history when he signs that yeah. deal in 2023, especially after hardware like defensive player of the year for a playoff team. Yeah. What is it going to look like? I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. 30 million a year? Yeah, in the 30s. It'll, it'll get to the 30 mark. Yeah, it'll it, he'll probably make more money than Garoppolo made when he had that when he had the highest paid whatever what was that? 2017, 5 years ago when he was the highest paid player in NFL history. He'll probably get he'll get it's, he'll get 5 years ago quarterback money. He's so good that people think he has a lot of help. <laughs> like that's how because it's like no, nah, there's no way he could just be wrecking shop like that on his own. Like nah, you kind of get a play here and there by some of the others, but for the most part, it's just Nick Bosa just continuously pressing quarterbacks damn near every time they drop back to throw the ball. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and the, the rest of the 49ers defensive line has done a good job and the rotation there, and they play hard and everything, but but Debo's a spe- or, uh, Bosa's a special guy, and he's got less help this year than they did in 2019. He had a better he had a better supporting cast that year, uh, but he's playing better this year, so it's pretty awesome to see. Debo Samuel back in practice. Saw him doing some dancing. Uh, it looked like he was uh, bringing a little extra, I think just a little extra energy to practice. You can see it in the dudes. So I'm sure it's always nice to have Debo Samuel out there. Would be great for the 49ers in Las Vegas. Croc, the question becomes now the fact that he's already limited on Thursday, probably have another limited practice. He'll probably enter the, the weekend questionable. We'll see what happens Friday. Would you say that he has to be 100, 100% to play him? in Las Vegas? Cause I, I think it's a smart, a smarter move to hold them out. Um, I know that there's still things to play for, for the 49ers, but it's much more important that Debo's be healthy for the playoffs than him helping them out in this game. Unless he's like flat out 100%. There's no, uh, you know, no opportunity for a setback. Yeah. If he's not 100%, which, you know, most people at this time, they're not hundred percent, but with those soft tissue injuries, it can just get worse and sideline you again. So I would just not do just sit down. We don't need you right now. Even if you win this game, I don't know how much movement there's going to be. Potentially, you could slide up. Say the Minnesota Vikings, they're playing a lot of really close games over the last few weeks. I keep thinking, like, oh, they're going to lose this game. Then somehow they pull it off at the end. Then I watch them against the Giants. I'm actually in the stands at the 49ers uh, versus Commanders game looking at, on my phone, the game between the the, uh, Vikings and the Giants, hoping the Giants pull it off. They don't, right? So they've had these really close games. Maybe you're playing for second seed, but I don't know if it's worth it enough to say, all right, Debo, Samuel, we're going to risk putting you out here if that soft tissue injury isn't 100% or ankle injury, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's like an uh, ankle, and a, ankle, ankle and a knee, but just seeing how he got bent back, the fact that he's even at practice already is pretty miraculous because I thought it was going to be much worse when Debo was carted off the field. And I think he thought that too, right? So uh, pretty phenomenal to see Debo Samuel back, and we we know he will be back for the playoffs as long as there are no setbacks, knock on wood there, for Debo Samuel. Looking at the rest of the injury report from Thursday's practice here, and uh, pretty good news, pretty good injury report for this time of year for the 49ers. Not practicing Jimmy Garoppolo, 
still not on injured reserve. So uh, he's just hanging out and we'll see what that ends up looking like for him. He's got his cast off and uh, still could be back in January playoff time. That's a, a conversation for uh, later in January, not today's conversation, but still not on IR, Jimmy Garoppolo. Kevin Givens didn't practice. Ambry Thomas uh, has been ill. He was not practicing this week. Uh, there's a little bit of an illness running through the team, um, but it looks like, it, I think, DeBosa was out Wednesday with an illness. He's back. So the 49ers are, are, are much better from that standpoint. Uh, Javon Kinlaw still, you know, with that knee injury, having some limited work in practice, and we'll see if he continues to slowly get put back on the field. Didn't have a ton of snaps last week in his first action back. Eric Armstead. Uh, limited kind of a similar situation maintaining uh, that foot injury that he's been dealing with all year Kerry Hyder back at practice with his ankle injury in a limited fashion Jordan Mason his hamstring that he tweaked to start the game last week also limited as was Christian McCaffrey who had that uh, kind of mysterious knee injury a couple of weeks ago probably just a load thing with him and then Debo Samuel as I mentioned uh, coming off the the ankle and knee injury also limited so uh, most of those guys, I'm sure, if not all of the limited guys, will be available for the 49ers on Sunday, and give or take a, a Debo Samuel. They should not need Debo Samuel to beat the Raiders, right, Kronk? I don't think so. And we talked about it on the crossover episode. I, I'd say right now, with how the 49ers are playing, the teams that they are supposed to beat, which I would say over the last couple of months has been a lot of those kind of teams, they have really kind of destroyed them, right? Beating them by multiple scores. So I would expect the same against the Raiders. Now, on any given Sunday, everyone knows the saying, anything can happen. But just heading into this game, how I feel about it, I'm as confident as I've been about any game that I thought the 49ers should win. So uh, I, I would say that, you know, whether you have Debo or not, you are, <laughs> you're, you're probably going to pull this off. I think the bigger question is just, are you going to cover the spread? Right? Like that, that's a bigger question than, are the 49ers <laughs> going to actually win the game? Confident Crocky. Confident, Crocky, before week 17. I, I kind of want, like, you don't want the 49ers to fall behind, right? And, and they shouldn't want that. But I want to see Brock Purdy play from behind. It's almost like you want to put him in game situations that he might face in the playoffs in these next two games. Because it's almost been too easy for Brock Purdy. He's made it look so easy. Uh, but he's had, you know, he hasn't really been behind in any games. I want to see what it looks like when it's like, okay, you have to go a little one-dimensional. And I guess they were a little one-dimensional last week just because Washington was so good up front against the 49ers run game that uh, they had to lean more on the pass. But I want to see a, a little, you know, just a, just, a, just a little adversity for Brock Purdy, what it looks like if he has to come from behind. Uh, do you have any worries? Like, it's, doesn't it seem like it's been too easy for Brock Purdy almost? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but he's doing what he's supposed to do. I think the thing that's hard for me to kind of see is some of the things that he's doing, if it's just always there and the other quarterbacks just miss those those plays or looks, right? I mean, how many times have we talked about, oh, man, you know, Brandon and I, you running up the scene, wide open, Jimmy didn't pull the trigger. And this is not me trying to rag on Jimmy. But, and then, well, Brock Purdy throws it, and it's like, well, of course you throw it, the guy's wide open, and he converts. But it's like, well... I think these plays have kind of just been there and just missing. So uh, I think that's why it looks easier. He's just making the right decisions. Yeah. I think he's going to continue to do that. But I get what you're saying in the sense of having to play from behind, having to maybe make more tighter window throws uh, in that 10 to 20 yard range, which we haven't seen him make a ton of those throws. We've seen like kind of contested catches 
in like that five to ten yard range, but not really past that. So I, I get what you're saying, right? It's been a little simplified for him, but again, I, I think that I don't think Kyle's kind of complaining with what he is converting on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just some favorable game scripts. But he's also making plays too, and he's you know moving around the pocket. You've seen him get out of uh, get out of the way of a defender, the pass rusher, then throw a little you know off off platform throw and, and mostly accurate, making good decisions. So love seeing that love everything I've seen for Brock Purdy. It's just like in the back of my mind is like, it's still just like that question is going to linger. Is this, is this guy for real, man? Is yeah, this really why was, he, why was he a seven round pick? Right. Like you start to, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 um, I didn't even realize it, but somebody pulled it up. I don't even know how they pulled it up because I didn't even put his name in there, but I had a video of Brock Purdy. I had no idea it was probably even Brock Purdy. I don't even think I knew that. But it's from him in college, like a year ago or something. And it was a bowl game. And he just runs out of the pocket for no reason and throws his wild pass. I'm like, what the heck is this quarterback doing? Why did you run out of the pocket? And then somebody commented on it recently. And I'm like, wow, that was Brock Purdy. I didn't even realize it. If I would have just judged every, like, if, if you would have told me it's the same quarterback, I'd have been like, nah, no way. He's been much more composed. Yeah, he is. There was a there's there's two plays that come to mind from Brock Purdy in college. One was he like threw a he threw a pass for like from his butt basically. They ended up being a pit, pick six, just like a terrible decision. Like, what are you doing throwing from your backside trying to make a play? It's just like a a huge blooper reel throw. And then there was another one. Remember when Patrick Mahomes kind of was horizontal and made that throw? Yeah. Recently, it was that Brock Purdy had one of those. It was an incomplete pass, but he was completely off the ground and somehow got the ball off and threw an incomplete pass. It was pretty amazing looking play even for an, for an incomplete pass. But he's like, he's, he's got this playmaker in him. And I think it could be good and bad in some ways we've seen mostly the good. Um, but it is, it's, it makes it a little more fun to watch him play too. He's got a little fire to him, the way he celebrates after the score um the way he you know creates some plays gets out of the pocket a little bit it's been really fun to watch man it's like i, I don't know how you cannot enjoy watching the brock purdy development that's happened for the 49ers this year it's 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 pretty nuts yeah next crock we're gonna get into the chat a little bit some more keys to victory what do the 49ers have to do specifically in this game to beat those las vegas raiders next Bet online is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis this season. Can the 49ers win by 10 plus points? That is where the line has moved for the 49ers, the favorites on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders Sunday. You can get those lines, all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there at Bet Online. Not just NFL football, there's college football bowl season, there's college basketball, NBA, soccer, golf esports you name it you can find it they've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those at betonline as well always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts how do you cover Devonte adams croc what's your plan I think you covered Devontae Adams by putting Jared Stidham out there at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more about the quarterback and who's throwing the ball than it is who's out there as a pass catcher. When they said potentially uh, Hunter Renfro might be playing in the slot again, and he's been hurt. So we'll see if he comes back at some point uh, later in this year. You have 
the big tight end, Darren Waller, but he's been hampered with injuries. He finally is kind of back. Uh, you have Devontae Allen. So th there are weapons out there, but if you don't have a quarterback that can facilitate the ball to them, if your office coordinator does weird things, which I watched some uh, McDaniel coach games early in the year with the Raiders, I'm like, what the heck is he doing with Devontae Adams? He was playing Devontae Adams as a stationary X receiver. That is not, that's not Devontae Adams' game. Motion them around, move them around, get guys, you know, in the off coverage, make it to where you can't just bracket them in coverage. Do those things with them. So I think it might be more about the, who's to play quarterback for them right now and Josh McDaniel calling the plays. Chris Forster, the 49ers defense or offensive line coach this week, talked about Mike McGlinchey and why he's been playing so good recently. And I think McGlinchey has not been assigned a sack that was directly his fault because, you know, depending on the source of, of what stats you're looking at for offensive linemen, you know, it might look like he gave up a sack, but it might be a sack that, uh, that they give to the quarterback instead, or maybe it's a communication thing, but I, I'm pretty sure McGlinchey's given up no no sacks since about week eight. And he's played, especially the last two weeks, I've noticed he's played a lot better. And Chris Forrester talked about how Trent Williams might have helped Mike McGlinchey because uh, talking about how it's, it's sort of like the short memory thing. Like don't let one play leak into the next play. You just have to, you have to worry. You're going to get beat in this league because the guys on the other side are too good. You can't worry about that. You've just got to focus on every play every time and forget about the rest of it. And apparently that's something that's helped out Mike McGlinchey. And he does seem to be playing a little bit better. And I'm sure just getting stronger and stronger from, you know, his legs, getting his legs under him after that really bad, uh, that really bad quad injury he had last year. I think has probably helped him at this point as well. So the the offensive line is playing at a at a pretty high level right now, which is good. And they've got to continue to do that because one of the things that can happen, and there's a pretty good pass rusher on the other side, and Max Crosby. One of the things that can happen to a rookie quarterback is get pressured and get hit, and that's when those turnovers and mistakes happen. So I think the offensive line is going to be key for the 49ers in this one. I think they'd love to be able to just run the ball a lot and get the heck out of there with the W. Yeah, need McGlinchey to continue to play well. Uh, I got on him last game and gave him the opposite of whatever a game ball is, but not f for his entire play over a game. It was really just two drive-killing penalties yeah. where 49ers had opportunities to score touchdowns, and his specific penalty uh, knocked them kind of out and put the 49ers in like this long-yard situation where they didn't get a touchdown. So, uh, But overall, I don't think he's been the reason. And I'd say for the most part, these quarterbacks have been – kept up fairly clean. I mean, even going back to Jimmy Garoppolo, there were games where there was a game Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even touch the ground, right? So they're doing a good job of protecting. I think that's the entire offensive line. Uh, they have been free runners, and I think that free runner is maybe a little bit more on the quarterback to understand where his hot is when you have that free runner coming at you because they say the, the answers to this offense or in the play, they're, they're, you know, there's always an answer to it, even if there is going to be a free runner. Uh, but Overall, not just McGlinchey. I think the offensive line as a whole has played well. Going to the other side of the ball, the 49ers, obviously number one ranked defense in the NFL. Austin in the chat, Raiders fan. He says, if I don't see 25-plus carries for Josh Jacobs, that would be a problem with the game plan regardless of the score. What do you think? Can a team that's down continue to hand the ball off even if it's one of their best players in Josh Jacobs? Because the 49ers haven't allowed – teams to to get the ball rolling with their running backs. The 49ers haven't allowed a guy to even rush for 60 yards. Last week, it was 22 carries for 58 yards for Brian Robinson. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a better running back than Robinson, I think. But um, to me, it's yeah, like yeah. Get, him, get him involved. Like, I, I can see 25 touches. Like, get him involved in the passing game, too. Find some ways to get him the ball. 
Um, but it, it's tough to just go run the ball 25 times against the 49ers, especially if they've got a lead on you. Yeah, well, we've seen a team like the Commanders. You talked about how they ran the ball. Robinson having 22 carries for less than 60 yards. That's them continuing to pound the rock. And uh, they did a really good job of ball control. I'd like to know the numbers of the first half time of possession 49ers and Commanders and who it favored because it felt like Commanders had the ball the entire half. And what do you know? At halftime, the game was 7-7, I believe it was. So maybe that's the recipe, forced to run, even if it's not quite there. Maybe that keeps the ball away from the 49ers a little bit and away from an offense that's getting hot. And then you see what happened second half. 49ers put up 30 points in the second half because, well, you had to get away from the run a little bit. 49ers start forcing some takeaways, and they're putting up a lot of points. So uh, that can be extremely difficult. I think you need your defense to be able to hold on. And we saw a commander's defense that was good for the most part until the offense started to really kind of uh, fall off for them. Uh, can the Raiders' offense do a good job of ball control and then the defense get stops i think that's the bigger issue right can can the raiders defense get stops to help their offense keep the ball away from the 49ers i'm also going to be looking out for jared stedham's a little bit more athletic of a quarterback you know more so than Derek carr you know he's not a crazy athlete back there but uh he can get out on the move and make some plays and there have been times where that gives the 49ers defense some trouble so um i'm interested to see how the 49ers take that on do they do they slow down their because it's so hard for the 49ers. If you don't have, you know, Patrick Mahomes back there who lit up the 49ers this year, if you don't have that special type of a quarterback back there and your guy's just going to be in the pocket, that's a bad recipe against this 49ers defense. So I do think that helps. And who knows, might even help the Raiders in a way, even if you think that Derek Carr is so much better of a quarterback than Jarrett Stidham is. Having somebody with a little bit of mobility that might be able to create a, a big play or two, maybe you know, get an extra first down with his legs or just keep a play alive to allow somebody to uncover on the back end and and make a throw. Maybe that's something that that the uh that the Raiders could lead on this game to their favor. And and I'm interested to see how the 49ers because they might see some athletic quarterbacks in the playoffs too, you know, just get a, an opportunity to play against a guy that's that's willing to move around a little bit more. I'm not, you know, I don't think it's going to be that like Jarrett Stibbs would be a problem for the 49ers defense, but I just, you know, interested to see how they play against a guy that's a little bit more athletic. Well, we, we kind of saw that a little bit against the Atlanta Falcons, right? I got my guy Malik Matthews in the chat. I saw him earlier say uh, Falcons better than the 49ers. He's a Falcons game. We went to the 49ers Falcon game together. So we kind of watched that meltdown by the 49ers. But what did the Atlanta Falcons do? I mean, they ran the ball, even if they weren't getting a bunch of yards. And then, hey, uh, Mariota, can you make a play here and there with your legs? He did that. Hey, Mariota, can you just be accurate? We're going to set you up in short yard situations. He completed, what, 13 out of 14 passes. So we have seen a quarterback that's not Mahomes play efficient enough and use his mobility enough to keep drives going, keep the ball away from Florida Niners, for not fumble the ball. Falcons ran that uh, back for a touchdown. You can't turn the ball over. You said that earlier. There are things that can help uh, one of these type of teams hang around. But I don't know if Jared Stidham is that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's not – He's he'll run around a little bit. He's got some athleticism. He's not a – He's not, you know, we saw him in week one too. Justin Fields, right? Uh, Justin Fields couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. The passing game wasn't happening for the Chicago Bears for most of that game. But what he did do was create a play where he's rolling out, gets the defense's attention, and all of a sudden now there's a, a broken coverage and a wide open player that he could throw. Now, I don't know if Stim's going to be able to make, you know, throws across the opposite side of the field, you know, from this, from the numbers here over to the numbers on that side or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> 
we, we've seen it. We, we've seen the 49ers have some trouble with that. So, you know, you got to play a clean game. You can't be turning the ball over and you can't be having things like coverage busts. And even if Stidham's run around a little bit, you know, you can't bail on your responsibilities and, and allow them to have some big plays. Can the 49ers take advantage of an Oakland Raiders secondary? And, and can we continue to get George Kittle going? Right? Uh, can I be a little bit more can they be a little bit more consistent with finding him because there was a stretch during the year where it was like Ayuk was good for seven catches 80 yards for like four straight games and then it started to get weird and you see like two catches two targets and three catches on five targets like you know but can this be a game where they say all right we're going to look to get Ayuk more involved and maybe that'll help uh, open things or continue to open things up for George Kittle, who he's come on strong as of late. But I, I'm looking to see those two guys right there. How, what's their impact going to be like against this team? I would like that. I would like to see that. Maybe a, an Ayuk featured game because he's definitely been – his catches have been impactful, but he hasn't had a ton of targets. And I, I think part of that is, you know, Christian McCaffrey comes in and he's getting more targets and a bigger share of the offense. So it takes away from some of the guys. And we've seen that with Kittle and, and all the, the numbers went down for some of those guys just because you have another player to feed in the passing game. And the 49ers don't have this huge volume passing game, even though they started throwing the ball more since they got Christian McCaffrey, which is a good thing, I think. And yeah, take advantage of that Raiders secondary. Make some big plays. Get Brandon Ayuk involved. Keep George Kittle involved. And uh, I think that would be a huge key for the 49ers to put up some points and, and make those Raiders one-dimensional by making some big plays. There was a question earlier about paying Bosa and then also paying Ayuk and then paying McGlinchey. Like, I, we have plenty of time in the offseason to talk about things, but right now, do you think... I mean, Ayuk's clearly earned his fifth-year option that'll get picked up by the 49ers, so there's nothing that needs to happen that's not pressing this offseason with Brandon Ayuk. He's a year behind where Bosa is, basically. So next year, he'll be going into the final year, the fourth year of his contract, then still have the fifth-year option after that. And then the 49ers can make some decisions next offseason on Brandon Ayuk. So they're not pressured to do anything. But do you think Ayuk's already at this point, if you had to be the decision-maker to say, okay, give him that big contract? Are you giving Ayuk that big contract right now? I don't think so. It's hard. It's hard with what you're already saying. I don't think they've featured him enough, right? I don't think they've featured him enough to say, all right, we're going to give you a bunch of money when they haven't utilized him that way. Right. What, what Debo Samuel was very clear. Like, Hey, we're going to run an offense through him. We're going to give him the ball. He's going to be a wide back. He's going to do all these different things. He's a 1400 yard receiver on top of another three, 400 yards rushing. He had 14 touchdowns. They did a lot of things that went through him. I don't see, I, to me, Ayuk is out there as he's just another receiver. And he's I think he's two. better than yeah. that. Yeah, that's I, the thing. It's like better than that, but do, but do you pay him for kind of more average production? And, and I don't think so. Yeah, he, he's he's being treated as a number two. Could he be a number one? Can you pay him like a number one? Can you afford to do that, or is he more valuable to another team that says, "Oh, we can make Brandon Ayuk our number one. Let's give the 49ers a whole bunch of draft picks." that might be what ends up happening in the end. If the 49ers think, man, we can't pay Debo number one money and Brandon Ayuk number one money and Christian McCaffrey and Trent Williams and Bosa 35 million a year, whatever he's going to end up getting. So um, that the Brandon Ayuk one is very interesting how that'll go down. And McGlinchey too, because I know McGlinchey, the human being, the 49ers really like, 
and he's a starting offensive tackle, and he was a top 10 pick. So if you're a starting tackle in the league and you're a top 10 pick, you usually make a lot of money on the free agent market. And I don't think the 49ers can go there with McGlinchey. But then Ayuk is the interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's better than his production. But if that's if that's how you're gonna utilize him, then it's not gonna be worth what you probably will have to pay him. All very interesting conversations that we will continue to get into in the offseason. But right now, the 49ers are in a playoff push, fighting for maybe that two seed. Who knows? The one seed is not even out of the question. They just have to win out, and the Eagles have to lose a couple of games. And then I think it was, I think only one game the Vikings have to lose. And the Niners can still get the one seed. So there's something to play for. Two seed, three seed. I don't know what it's going to be for the 49ers. Uh, but I think it will be fun. It's always fun against the Raiders on Sunday, New Year's Day. Thanks, everybody, for making Locked On 49ers your first listen. Thanks for everybody jumping in the live chat with us. And Croc and I will be back post game to break it all down January 1st. Right here, Locked On 49ers. <laughs> 